0: glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Nevin Neal. First John two eighteen, we just read verses 15 through 17, says, Little children, so he's addressing that term again. He's just in the previous verses talked to little children, young men and fathers. He goes back in verse 18, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Let me kind of take you back to the Old Testament, and I think this will help put these couple of verses in context. If I say the names Ezra and Nehemiah, building programs should come into your mind. Uh, Nehemiah was responsible for building the wall around Jerusalem that after it had been torn down and burned whereas Ezra was in charge of instructing uh, the the building of the temple. And, of course, there was a couple of fellows there uh, who were, uh, I believe it was Zerubbabel and and Jeshua, who helped raise that temple up. And the temple took a number of years to rebuild. The wall was rebuilt in 56 days. But both of those men were in leadership when it came to reconstruction of the temple and reconstruction of the wall. And if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, both men dealt with a similar problem they had people that wanted to help them build who were actually the enemies of God both men dealt with the same problem they were going to build something at the command of God for the glory of God and one of the first things that the enemy did is said let us build with you now it didn't take both men had the same answer the answer was no you may not we should learn a lesson from that because when you come to the new testament paul warns us in second corinthians chapter 11 Many of the verses in 2 Corinthians 11 are about false apostles, uh, false brethren. There are those, Satan is a counterfeiter. One of the greatest ways to discredit what is genuine is to counterfeit it. And he's no fool. He understands this. I was talk, talking to Jenny Beth this last week. And one of the things I've seen in my lifetime, I've met counterfeit brethren, people who claim to be saved and by and by proved they were not. Uh, counterfeit preachers. I, I, I think of some preachers who waxed eloquent, and then when you found out what they really were, you said there's no way that was the Spirit of God guiding them while they were living in that sin. There's just no way. They counterfeited it. They were good actors. Uh, I've heard counterfeit gospels, things that sound so close to the gospel of Jesus Christ, yet still is not it. We know there are counterfeit churches. There are counterfeit Bibles. Think, by the way, the most clever counterfeit is the one that's closest to the truth. I've watched counterfeit professions of faith to where, or counterfeit soul winning to where what happens is it discourages you and makes you wonder, is there a real one? That's Satan's goal. By the way, uh, there's a preacher who says... Uh, I don't remember which preacher says this. Uh, you guys could help me with this. But how many of you have ever seen a counterfeit $7 bill? Why not? Because there's not a real one. You can only counterfeit what is real. There is a true gospel. There's a true Christ, a true Bible... But God is not a God that has many truths. He is truth. And so Satan reproduces things that look like the truth, and that's what's going on here. There's young Christians that John is writing to, and he wants them to understand what threatens their fellowship with God. You know what that tells me? He is teaching these people, you treasure and guard your fellowship with God. I don't know of anything, I don't know of anything, more valuable to myself, first of all, simply as a Christian, second of all, as a servant who teaches and preaches the Word of God than fellowship. When I pray for our missionaries, one of the things I pray, and I really, I pray for the whole families. I try to focus on the men because that's who I am and I can pray a little more intelligently about their needs. One of the things I pray and I trust others pray for me, Lord, guard their fellowship. Guard their prayer time. Guard their time in your Word. Help them to keep their hearts because it's fellowship with God that's fuel for service. If you want to know and verify that, study the ministry of our Lord and Savior. When he wanted fuel for service, he did not go to rallies. He went alone to some solitary place and got alone with God the Father and got what he needed. And I'm just trying to say, John is telling them and encouraging them, first of all, love not the world. If you love the world, you can't love the Father. Then he's going to say, he's going to start addressing the fact, little children, it is the last time. And he wants them to understand the time they live in. And understanding the time, they're going to understand some of the people that were affecting their lives or trying to influence them. Let me read. I've been reading this verse uh, most of these nights in 1 John chapter 2. Verse 26, this puts the whole chapter, at least the end of the chapter, in context. John says this, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Now, I want to ask you a question. We read that in the Bible. We say, wow, you know, in the early days, there were seducers who were going out trying to get people to believe things that weren't true and draw them away from the truth. I'm glad I live today. Do you think you have people in your life, potentially right now, that you could put a name on them and say, they're actually trying to seduce me, to lure me away from the truth of God's word? There are more seducers today than there's ever been in the history of mankind. And they are more available today, and you and I are more available to them if we're not careful than ever before. This text was not written as a scare tactic, but as a means to say, you must beware, you must be aware these people are here. And John, because he knew those he was writing to knew the truth, says, you'll recognize a lie when you see it, so I want to expose some things to you. So I'm going to give you three points tonight. Verse 18, his exhortation. Verse 19, his exposure of Those false, those antichrists among them in the number three, in the end of verse 19, his explanation. Very simple thought tonight, but something I think each one of us need to get a hold of. Before I get into this outline and say say what we're going to say from the scripture, let me ask you this. In in a seeker-sensitive religious movement, I don't know of anything that has opened the doors of local churches to seducers more than the seeker-friendly movement. Now, let me just say something. When, when God calls someone to pastor people, he gives you a different frame of thinking because you have a responsibility to look out for the spiritual safety and well-being of those under your care. It's called being an under-shepherd. The word pastor means shepherd. So you're looking out for the spiritual well-being of people. How many know this? Before, often before people get into devious and detrimental sins, what changes first? Does anybody know? Doctrine. In, in the last 20 to 30 years, you've seen an assault on the concept of doctrine, period. The ecumenical movement says doctrine doesn't matter. And the ecumenical movement has grown into what's called the pluralistic movement. Ecumenicism says all Christian denominations should drop their doctrines, find common ground, and get together because unity is more important than, than purity. And you can check me on that. That's what it really stands for. That The World Council of Churches represents that, but the World Council of Churches and other corrupt, perverse institutions now are advocating pluralism that says Christianity and all other religions need to drop the things they disagree on and unify because unity is the mark of love. Now, we know God is for unity among His people, but He's not for us being unified with the world. <laughs> Where do you be unified with each other, but you'll never be able to unify with a lost world? So I started saying, the Seeker Friendly Movement saying, we don't want anybody to leave our church. Now, if you're a businessman, you want every business opportunity you can get. You want to pursue every customer. If you can steal customers from your competition, that's what you're supposed to do. Right? Jim and Jeff, am I correct? That's what your job. We're not running a business in a church, though. We're not trying to build a customer base. It's not what it is. How many of us know churches have turned into businesses? Pastors are CEOs with boards and We're trying to figure out evangelism and outreach have turned into marketing. That's not what we do. That's not what we're doing or any form of it. Because what happens is if you say our job is to keep every person, we love people, and if we can see people come in and get saved and get baptized and out of the church, that is what it is all about. But you cannot have the goal, every person that comes in, we want to make sure they stay. Therefore, we have to make sure they feel comfortable to stay. You get in trouble like that. Because what happens is seducers come in and they want things their way. And next thing you know, they're seducing. John will deal with that in 2nd and 3rd John. He will name some people. There was a man named Diotrephes who ran everybody else off because he thought he was the head of all things and everything was to run around him. And so then, there are two extremes to this. There are those who want to run everybody away and those are those who say, we just want everybody to feel welcome. And John is saying, there are those that have come and they've gone it actually is a good thing that they went and he'll explain why so number one his exhortation verse 18 he says little children it is the last time now we believe in the bible there are the the, it's a bible word such a thing is called dispensations and i would caution you there are people who i would say and others would call them hyper dispensationalists, meaning Every time the Bible transitions to another period of time, well, that's a different dispensation. Nothing in that dispensation applies to us. And it really becomes a clever mechanism to dismiss the Word of God. And so don't do that. But you must see there are different dispensations of time. The time frame between creation and the flood is different than the time frame between the flood and Moses. The time frame between Moses and John the Baptist or Christ, that's a different time frame than the one we live in. We live in the dispensation of the grace of God. It's simply that. But here's where we're at today. We're in the last time. We're, we're at the end of the world. What John's saying is this is the last season. world's coming to an end. That, I believe, began at the ascension of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. We entered a different time in the world, a different age, if you would. We're in the last time or the last season of this world. And that's what he's saying Them. So I'll give you a few things in verse 18. Uh, concerning his exhortation. I already mentioned it, but notice the saints that he addresses. He says this to little children. Now, I don't believe he says this to the exclusion of the young men or to the exclusion of the fathers. But how many of you know that when you grow, you learn things? I don't believe the young men who have fought Satan. He said that you've overcome the wicked one, you're strong. They already knew. They already knew Antichrist were present, the fathers already knew there's something about youth especially spiritual youth that makes us naive follow me with this you lead somebody to the lord they come to saving faith in jesus christ they've got a neighbor that is highly religious that's lived next to them for 13 years and never spoken to them a word about god you lead them to christ and all of a sudden their neighbor wants to say oh Come to my religion. Come over to my church and read this booklet and read this booklet and read this booklet. All of a sudden, oh, we're Christians too. I want to say, Where were you all along when these people needed to be saved? But all of a sudden, Satan knows young Christians, baby Christians, little children who've not matured in the faith, are susceptible to believe that the wolf is actually grandma. <laughs> yeah? You're tracking with me. And John knew that. He said, little children, I want you to understand the time in which you live. For young Christians, young people in this room, because you're young people, most of you are young Christians. You might have got saved as a child, but you're still growing in the faith. You, you must understand, you do not live in a spiritually neutral world. You're going to encounter people who have it as their goal to deceive you into believing something that will draw you away from your Savior. We looked at the world last week. I know for one of the things I pray for our young people is Lord, help them to see your cross and by your cross to die to the world and and the world to be dead unto them. That's what Paul said. He would not glory save the cross of Jesus Christ by whom uh, he was crucified in the world, the world unto him. So I pray that the world will not get a hold of the hearts of these children, the temporary things that pass away, the pleasures of this life, the riches of this life. One of the other things, whether it is... The young people in this church or perhaps we're still in in our spiritual youth we need to be aware of is there are people who present themselves as brethren, members of the family that they're not. And they're going to try to get you to believe things that are not true. They may come and visit church. They may be on the Internet. They may preach on YouTube. They may uh, have a website or some kind of a blog. They, They may be in your workplace. But the fact of the matter is... John's going to point out, listen, we're living in the last time. And then he's going to explain what he means by that. He said, oh, the, the time frame we're living in is the last time, you little children. And that, by the way, that word, that term is used in Jude, verse 18, in 1 Peter one five. And I'm going to turn and read there now because that's going to be our focus in Sunday school on Sunday morning. But the last time is simply, as I said, talking about the last season of this world. But the season that we live in, if you read as we did... In Sunday School and Sunday Morning, uh, Paul warned Timothy, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We sometimes act shocked at how bad the world is getting. Do you realize it's what Jesus Christ said would happen? Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. How, you know something? I say TV evangelist. What do you think? If you don't think seducer, then let me, let me try to repeat that about 25 times until you hear televangelist. Not all of them are, but about 99% of them are. When you get somebody up there with a you know, $10,000 diamond ring on their hand telling you you need to send them a love offering, they are a seducer. If they're preaching from a crystal palace and begging for money, hey, tear the crystals down, sell them, and give to the poor. You with me? They're seducers. I don't care how smooth their message is, and they are worse and worse. They're seducers I don't care there are independent Baptists who are seducers. They're everywhere, and they are worse and worse. Why? Because we're in the last time. It gets darker right before the light shines. Is that not true? It gets very dark right before the sun rises. And there's a sunrise coming that figuratively when Christ returns, and it is dark, and it's not going to get brighter. If we're waiting for the world to become a better place, you might as well hang that idea up. Now may I say this, we're still to shine the same. We're as lights in a dark and perverse nation. Is that not what Philippians says? So I'm just trying to say, John says, you little children, I want, I want you to know the truth. You're not, just be, here's what happens. When we get saved, our world gets bright. And we might think that the whole world got bright. No, it's our world that got bright. The light of the Lord came in. We can see things clearly now. But the world is still deceived, and so then, it's not a deceive, but there's deceivers. So he said, I want you to know, little children, it's the last time, we're in the last chapter, and what marks the last time is this presence of Antichrist. In the last time, the world is not going to flock to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to turn from him. So the idea would be, if we are thinking, that, boy, what's going to mark the last time is a worldwide... There are people telling us right now. We're about to see a worldwide sweeping revival. Beware... Beware. You say you don't believe in revival? Of course I do. Do I want revival? Of course I do. Can this church have revival? Absolutely. Could our nation have revival? Could if we meet God's conditions? I don't see us trying to do that, but we could have revival anytime we want it. But don't expect the world to get converted to Jesus Christ before the Lord comes. That's, the Bible's very clear on this. We can expect that evil men and seducers will wax worse, worse perilous times will come, and he wants these little children to have a realistic view of, of the season that they were living in. You know what? If I think I'm going into, um, this is why why false teachers that say, you get saved and God gives you this rosy, wonderful life of health and wealth. That's the opposite of the truth. And what happens is if you've truly been born again, you're going to get thrown bad. Because the Lord says, our hope is in eternal things, not here and now. And so then there's a cross to bear here. And if I'm truly trying to be a Christian, somebody's telling me, if you were doing things right, you'd be healthy, wealthy, and wise. I'd say, well, man, I must be doing something wrong because I'm losing friendships and I'm losing finances and I'm losing, you know. um, Life did not get better after I got saved. It seems like it got a little tougher. I believe that's what John wants them to know. Look, we're in the last time. And here's how we know that. It deals with the little children, the young saints, this, and that doesn't mean young in age, physically, they were young spiritually. The season, it's the last time. And then the seducers that he speaks of in verse 18, he says, uh, uh, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard, somebody had told them that Antichrist shall come. That's singular. Even now. So he said, in, you've been told that in the future, Antichrist shall come. He's called the wicked in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He's called the beast in the book of Revelation. It is also a spirit. There's the spirit of Antichrist. This is rocket science. What does Antichrist mean? Against Christ. Now, here's what you'd expect: if someone were against Christ, they'd come up and say, "Here's what I would think." When I knock on somebody's door and I give them a gospel track, and they say, "No, I don't want it," I think, "Well, he's he's against Christ." But you probably have a better chance of winning that guy to the Lord than the guy that stands there and says, "Oh, yes, I'm a Christian too." Do you believe that Jesus is God? Oh, no, no. I mean, we believe that He's the Son of God. But we wouldn't say he's God. That's Antichrist. You deny that Jesus Christ is who God said he is, and it's Antichrist. I think one of the great questions to ask people is, who's Jesus? Can you tell me who, who Jesus is? And what does his death and resurrection mean to you? You'll learn a lot about where they're at, what spirit they are of, based on who they say the Lord Jesus is. If you can't just outright say Jesus is God, if you're a true believer, that shouldn't be hard to say. He is God in the flesh. He is my creator and my savior. Uh, And my point would be this. uh, We would think the antichrist would be someone who just spews vitriol for Christ. But Satan's more clever than that. He claims to be a believer. claims to be one of us. And so then he says, I want you to know you're in the last time. You've heard that antichrist shall come. But he said, let me tell you this. Even now, let's get present tense. Even now are there many. So there are little prototypes, if you would, there are many antichrists whereby we know that it's the last time. He said, here's how you know it's the last time, because there's not just antichrist." I, I think he's referring to there's going to be one man that, that epitomizes the spirit of antichrist, that beast in the book of Revelation, the wicked, capital W, in Second Thessalonians 2. But there are many prototypes, just like there were many um, portraits of Christ leading up to him, if you study the book of Revelation, it is all a simple counterfeit of the gospel, including a counterfeit resurrection. Remember the beast is wounded in his head as though he were dead, and then there's a, they raise him up and give life to the beast. It's all fake, it's all funny, but it is all a counterfeit gospel that mirrors the gospel of Jesus Christ, including the prototypes leading up to him. There were many pictures and types of the Lord Jesus Christ leading up to the real Messiah. Even so, there are many antichrists who represent what the antichrist stands for, and that is absolute opposition to the Lord of heaven and earth, and absolute denial that he is who he says he is. The number one, don't miss me here today, the number one tool of Satan to discredit the gospel today is false religion. It was in our Lord's day, and it is more so today. Atheism is not the chief enemy of Christianity. It's not. Most people believe there's a God because they got a brain in their head. You only quit believing when there's a God when you want to be extremely immoral and say, I'll do whatever I please. So atheism is not the primary uh, a- uh, opposition tool of, of, uh, of the gospel. It is false religion. And may I say this? There's some false religion that's easy to identify and there's some that's so close to the truth that it's hard to. But here's the point. We, John says there's many antichrists and that's how we know. The multiplication of, of, of opposition to Jesus Christ through people is the sign that we're in the last time. He said, therefore, we know this is the last time. Second uh, Thessalonians, let me read this very quickly. Chapter 2, verse 7. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. I'll get there in just a moment. Uh, The Bible says, uh, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Paul was making the same point John was. Don't think that the spirit of Antichrist is something future. 2,000 years ago, it was already at work. Two thousand years ago, there was already crafty deception taking place to oppose Jesus Christ and keep people from coming to sincere and genuine faith in Him or continuing in faith in Him. the spirit of mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse 8, And then shall that wicked, that's one, one person, capital W, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So John's exhortation, he addresses young saints, he addresses the last time or the season of the last time, and then he addresses the the matter that seducers were currently present. May I say this, and then we'll move on. If if I thought, if someone says, hey, there is somebody in the neighborhood that is breaking into houses, and they've kind of been seen... uh, um, Around And it might be a problem in the future. You might want to watch out for things. And I think, that oh, would never happen to me. And he's actively working down my road. And if I can only think, boy, one day somebody might show up and try to rob my house. If I don't realize that it's a present danger, I'm going to get robbed. If you don't realize as a Christian there are people that Satan has got control of that are in your life and if they're not now there will be actively seeking to deceive you and turn you against your lord then you need to wake up to the fact it's the last time there are many antichrists and they are working the antichrist is a denier of jesus christ working to deceive and destroy by the way that's why the cults work over time. they're seducers there's, it's, it, they are actively you say would, would people be that evil some don't know they're that evil they're blind and deceived but yes they would be and so his exhortation verse 18 number 2 his exposure verse 19 he says this they went out from us uh, for they were not but they were not of us but if they had been of us they would no doubt have continued with us but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. jude says it this way and i believe it's in verse uh, 18 of, of jude these are they that separate themselves sensual you know what when you walk with god he'll separate you from the world his word will separate you from the world but there are always those who feel that they are religiously and spiritually elite you'll find people that can never find a home in a church anywhere because they're always too theologically adept they're always too, um, they have revelation that we underlings could never grasp. That's exactly what's going on in that what John's writing about. There were people coming in and saying, oh, we've got a knowledge of God, and it's just, it's, it's higher, it's in darkness to you. That's so why John says, yeah, if you walk in darkness, not in the light. We don't walk in what we don't know, we walk in what we do know. <laughs> we don't walk in darkness, we walk in the light. And so there were those who oh, we had this hidden wisdom, this hidden mystery. Look, I've seen this and seen this and seen this to where. I'll be honest with you, there is something in me. I don't have room when I can perceive it, when I can pick up. There, there is some person uh, creeping into a church and some person saying, well, I have a spiritual understanding and I, <laughs> it's not what the average Christian would believe. But I've discovered some things, you know, you watch out. You watch out. There's no one so smart that they have found something. You remember when the Da Vinci Code came out? And That's kind of silly now. But some, oh, I found all through all these numbers in the Bible a hidden message. That's a bunch of hogwash. That's Gnosticism repackaged to say it's a hidden message and only a few smart ones can figure out. Listen, if you have the Spirit of God in you and you've got a Bible, you've got what you need i will give you a local church to help you and strengthen you. It's not because... That's what John's going to say. He said, you've got an unction from the Holy One. You don't need these antichrists coming in who left, not because we were not the kind of church we were supposed to be, but because they are antichrist. You know what? If you are on the right team... Look, I've got people. We don't dot our I's and cross our T's the same way, but we are fighting on the same team. We are fighting under the same master for the same cause and we find a way to get around some of our differences. I'm not talking about compromise. You know I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about we have different personalities, we have different ways of thinking. You can find a way around that when they're a family member and you're fighting for the same captain because you're in the same trench. But when someone says, I don't want in your trench, I'm going over there where the enemy is. That's because they're an enemy. Yes, that's what John's saying. He said there were people that at one time were among us, but they went out from us. I'll say, say, Pastor, in the history of this church, 14 years of history, have we ever had people like that? Yes. Who came in among us as though they were of us, but when it came down to the word of God, they said, no. And they actually actively opposed the exaltation of Jesus Christ. They actively oppose questioning his word and even at times questioning his deity and claiming all along be born again people. Would folks do that? We all know they would. And so we have to be aware of it. John says they went out from us, but they were not of us. He said they were of us. What do you mean? Remember the context is the family, meaning they were never members of God's family. They came in among us as though God was their father, but they were never born again. And the reason they left is because they weren't in the family. And so it's just very simple. He says these are antichrists, meaning they're deniers of who Jesus Christ is. So explain that in verse 22 when he says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? So if someone denies that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed Savior of God, uh, then that's who's a liar but that person? These Antichrists are deniers of who Jesus Christ is. Sometimes they may outright deny him. At other times they may question his word and deny him. And by the way, how do you question someone's word and say he's the Christ? How can you do that? So, well, I believe Jesus is the Christ, but I don't believe he's the only way. Or I believe Jesus is the Christ, but I don't believe in a literal hell. I believe Jesus is the Christ, but I don't believe those words. Are, hey, there's a problem there. And so I'm just trying to say there's a denial by these people. They are deceitful. The whole nature of the Antichrist is they're deceivers. They had come in among them as though they were of them, but they were not of them. Let me read Second Corinthians 11:26. I'll try to wrap this up shortly. Second Corinthians 11:26, and then we'll read Galatians 2, 4. And I'm going to move right along. So if you can keep up, that's great. And if not, I'm going to just keep moving for time's sake. Second Corinthians 11, 26. He says, Paul explaining what he'd gone through, he said, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among False brethren. Now, don't miss this. He throws that in there with robbers, shipwreck, false brethren. Now, may I say this? Can I give a caution that I think would probably be more applicable to this crowd of people? Because most people are, are very aware of what I'm talking about tonight. One of our dangers is we've got to fix this problem of false brethren. We've got to make sure that no phonies ever come to church. You can't. All you can do is keep preaching the truth. And if they're not of us, they'll go out of us. If they're not of us, they'll go from us. And I believe John's trying to encourage them, don't compromise the truth because some people left. Now, I'm not saying everybody that leaves the church is is antichrist. Don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there are people that leave because they don't believe Jesus is the Christ. And if that's the case, they went out because they weren't of us. They they couldn't fellowship because they weren't in. And so then, same was true with Paul. He said, false brethren are, and they will be, and they cause damage, uh, but it's just a reality. Galatians 2.4 says, he says this and that because false of false brethren unawares brought in you get the idea brought that's intentional. The Judaizers had intentionally got men to come in and pretend they were Christians so they could spy out how they were conducting their faith in Christ. He says and that because of false brethren, unawares, brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. He said, they're against what we're doing. They're against our liberty in Christ Jesus, that we're not striving to save ourselves. We're resting in Him. And they came to bring us back into bondage, into a work salvation. It's the very reason they were brought in among us. <laughs> if you have ever studied the... Um, uh, forgive me, I'm trying to think uh, the the... Um, the priests that are that are lay priests. Help me here. I can't think of the name. What's this? Jesuits. Jesuits. That's what I'm trying to think. You may ever study the history of the Jesuit order. Jesuits were taught and trained by Roman Catholicism to go into Protestant universities, theological seminaries, and pawn themselves off as born-again people and to subtly incorporate Catholic doctrine. That's not hearsay. That's history. Come out now. They had permission to lie; that was permitted them by the church because it was for a noble cause. Sometimes Jesuit orders had permission to kill sweet people. By the way, the nature of that wretched religion has not changed. I didn't stutter; I'm not going to apologize for that statement. It is a religion of seduction, and so then my point is this: we need to be. It's good for us to be aware of the spiritual environment we live in. John says, You need to understand there were people that were among us, but they went out from us. But you need to understand why they went out from us, because they were not of us. For he says something very plain. He says, For had they been of us, no doubt they would have continued with us. Meaning, if they were on our team and in our family, they would have continued with us. That's a rocket science statement, isn't it? You know what? I understand, and it's sad, there's two different kinds of schism and division. There are that between true brethren that's called and caused by carnality. That's what First Corinthians deal dealing with. People splintered over their carnal differences. But there are people that fundamentally don't believe what God's word says about Jesus Christ. And they cannot continue in fellowship with us because we don't believe the same. We're not in the same family. Their father is the devil. Our father is God. And so then uh, there was a departure because there was a distinction. There was a departure because there was a distinction. Back in Acts chapter 15, uh, it speaks of, it's the only other time this term is used, they went out from us. The apostles, right, say, we understand there were those who went out from us who have seduced you. Regarding, here's what their gospel was. Don't miss this. They did not deny that Jesus Christ was a living, real person. They didn't deny that. They just said faith in him alone is not salvation. They said you have to have faith in Christ plus you need to be circumcised and keep the law. That was Acts chapter 15. You can read it when you have a chance. They came in preaching a false gospel. They did not say, we don't believe Jesus ever existed. We don't believe in God. We believe in the same Jesus you do, but faith in Him alone is not going to bring salvation. You've got to have faith in Christ and couple that with the works of the law. And John says they went out from us By the way, those seducers left the church at Jerusalem. They left the church at Antioch because they preached another gospel. A gospel that says it is the work of Christ plus the work of my flesh is a gospel of the Antichrist. no gospel at all. But Galatians is all about it. It says it's another gospel, but it's not a gospel. When you and I are helping Jesus save us, we are putting ourselves at par with Him. His death, His resurrection, and my good works... No way. That's Antichrist? Because it says he's not. He's not a Christ. He's the Christ. All of him. It is his salvation. And he doesn't need our help. If he did, he wouldn't have come down from heaven. Uh, We could have walked up to him. And so then their departure from them was because they were distinct. They were not of them. They weren't in the family of God. And John here gives disclosure uh, about the seriousness of their departure. In verse 22 He says, again, in in verse 19, he says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. Let me ask you something. Is John setting himself up as the judge of these people who've left? Or is he making a judgment concerning them so that these people can make a clear judgment and no, no longer be deceived? He that is spiritual judgeth all things. There's a time to say, you know what? Those people... That deny Christ. I, I don't believe, it's not only not wrong, it's right to say those who do not believe on the Christ of the Bible, we're not in the same family. They may, I, I've watched two cults in my lifetime switch from saying they are not Christian to saying now they are. Well, we're Christians too. And I don't know, something's changing in me, I don't, I don't know. I have a mind to say next time here, no you're not. I think that's what they, need. no you're not. It's not true. That's, and you may believe that lie, but it's not true. And so then we're not in the same family, and it's wise to discern that and understand in a world that's breaking down those lines and saying, oh, all the messages are basically the same. No, no, John said they are distinct from us. They reject the Christ we believe in. Number three, he not only gives an exhortation, an exposure of these seducers, and thirdly, uh, his, his final explanation. So he gives an exhortation, gives an exposure, of these antichrists and why they went out from them. And then a simple explanation into verse 19. He says, here's why. That they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. John said there was a truth that was already in place. They were never of us. They weren't of us and then changed midstream. He said the truth was, and this what you can read the context, but the truth was when they came among us, they were not of us, but they went out that it might be made manifest. Meaning it had to be brought to light. You know, we have a God that every hidden thing, every secret thing will be made known. So he says in Luke 12, so he says in Matthew 10. What's in, what's in the closet is going to be shouted from the housetop. What's in the dark is going to be brought to the light. And those that are... You know what? God does a favor to a body of believers when those that are not of us go out from us to make manifest that they were not of us. let me read you a verse that goes along those lines in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're about done. 1 Corinthians 11. Because we might, this thing might throw us. I think John's trying to encourage them to say, look, this was, their departure was about truth coming to light. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18. He says in verse 17, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, Uh, that you come together together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. And he says this, verse 19, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. It is not the will of God that the church should go on as a mixed multitude perpetually. What do you mean by that, Pastor? that that which is thought of as the church would perpetually go on as a mixed body of genuine believers and unbelievers. But at some point in time, under the preaching and teaching of the truth, under a firm conviction of the truth among God's people, those that are not of us are going to say, I can't continue with this because I'm not of them. And he says, the reason, very simply, they went out from us is because they were not of us, and they went out that it might be made manifest, meaning their departure was for this very purpose... By the way, when someone leaves a church, godly people who love the Lord and love people, what's the natural reaction if you're saved? What do we do wrong? What do we do? By the way, if we do wrong, we need to get it right. If someone is not here because we've been unkind, uh, we've, not, we've not loved them, we've not cared for them, not given them the truth, but if someone leaves here over the Word of God, what can be done? Nothing. It's just making manifest who God's approval is on. The church is to be a pure body. It's not to be a mixture. We're the pillar in the ground of the truth. So we don't need a bunch of false brethren. And what God is saying is there's a time of, of revelation where there are going to be those that leave and what it's going to reveal is they were not one of us. And I believe John is saying, so I'm pointing that out. God, you know, they went out of us. It might be known they're not of us. So because they left, it's needful for me to show you what was manifest in our own practical lives. and But you say, what's the application to this? There are going to be times that there are people that come in among us They may be friendly, they may be nice, they may be great personalities, they may know the Bible extremely well, but when it comes down to the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, they leave over that. And what is tempting to us is to maintain relations with those kind of folk. And then what happens? This is why Romans 16, 17 is in the Bible. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses among you contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Now, I know what was going on. Paul was teaching them to be a bunch of religious snobs. You know what he's doing? He was protecting them. Protecting them. Saying, you know what? There are people that came in and caused divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines of God's word. And when they do that, you mark them. And avoid them because they're seducers. You know what? I'll just say this in closing. I thank God that I can't give a long list, but there are certain women I avoid. I see them, I, say, I don't want to be I don't want to be in the same room if I can keep from it. Why? Because they're bad. They don't have her best interest at heart. They don't have my best interest at heart. They have deceit and seduction at heart. And I think, I don't be stupid enough to think I couldn't fall for that. You know, Joseph did. He ran with courage. <laughs> and you know what? We say, oh, I, I'm, I'm grounded. I can hang around people. Look, if you know someone is causing divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, you need to avoid them. Amen? I believe that's why John is exhorting little children. They left so you might know what I'm telling you. They were not of us. They were not what we are. Mm-hmm.